you have reached a phone call from Paul. A Literary Hub podcast. To hear more, visit lithub.com. Part 1 of Paul Holden Graber's Conversation with Edwige Dantica. Hello. Hello. Edwidge, Edwidge, is this, is, is this you? Yes, it is. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm so, I'm so glad you can take this phone call from Paul. I'm really, I'm really delighted. Oh, well, it's wonderful to talk to you, Paul, any time, whether we're being recorded or not. Oh, well, thank you. It's been so, so long. Where, where, where am I reaching you now? Um, I'm in Miami, in my, in my home. And what 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 are you what are you up to these days? I I really don't know. I know, I mean, of course, I I follow everything you do, but I I don't know what you're what you're doing at the present time. Well, at the present time, I you know I just published two books for young people, um, a picture book called Mama's Nightingale, uh, which is a, a story about a little girl whose mom is in detention. And um, a young adult book all entwined about twin sisters. So uh, the books were published this fall. So I've been traveling quite a bit. Um, so that's that's uh, pretty much it. And and these books are for for when you say young adults, you do do you, how 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 old do you mean? Well, um, the picture book is um, much younger. You know, younger people like uh, children, <laughs> and um, even though I think uh, this particular picture book can be uh, used by adults and uh, you know in classrooms and, and such, uh, a lot of my uh, a few of my picture books have been used in sort of English as second language classes. Uh, but the the young adult book is for teenagers, um, but we know that a lot of adults also read. I guess books that are meant for for teenagers. Yeah, and are you are you are you at the at at the present time writing something else? Well, right now I'm working on kind of a long essay. Um, Global Press has a series um, for writers, and I guess intended for writers, uh, called "The Art of," and so there's the art of description, the art of time and memoir and fiction and you know all these different elements of fiction. I'm writing um one for them called The Art of Writing Death. So I'm reading all these uh very death filled books <laughs> and and I'm writing about them. I'm examining um sort of how other writers do it and and I'm writing about that. The art of death. The art of writing death. <laughs> the art of death is too broad a subject for The art of writing, and 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 who has struck you? Uh, I mean, it's it's obviously a a topic that will be always of interest to us at one moment in our lives. But who 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 writes? Who does it well in in some sense? And how does well, one, I, how does one do it well? Well, one of the of the reasons I was drawn to to this is that my mom passed away last October. Yes. And and so I I in my grief I I was looking for books like that to read. I, I know a lot of people uh, 
say they can't read or they they can't read right after I I for me reading is kind of my salvation so I'm lucky that I was able to read and the first one of the first things I read was um, C.S. Lewis's A Grief Observed yes and actually I was reading that even before my mom passed away I was reading that sort of in hospitals and things like that when when we learned she was um, terminal so I was reading it kind of to prepare myself. And I read that quite a lot. Um, I think someone who does it exceptionally well is um, Toni Morrison. Yeah. I mean, all, you know, she, she does death really powerfully. And, and there's a, the, the last scene in Son of Solomon, you know, that death scene yeah. is one of the most glorious things I've ever read. So I'm reading a lot of her and then um, Tolstoy. Um, the Death of Ivan Illich. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a you know, that's a staple. Madame Bovary and in some contemporary memoirs, um, like K. Smith, uh, Elizabeth Alexander's memoir about about her husband's death, and and um, the Didians, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, her her memoirs, magic the year of magical thinking and blue nights. You know, like that. Well, you know, it's so interesting that you say that that reading is a is a form of salvation for you in in these situations, which are situations truly of extremity. What? what um, I mean, you know, in in so many ways, I feel the same. I feel mm-hmm. I feel as though you know my sister died just a couple of months ago, and, I'm and sorry. I, yeah, and I just what comes to mind is 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 words words that help, um, and they don't help to cheaply console, but they somehow make one feel as though the journey is worthwhile pursuing, and particularly. I'm thinking of the unnameable, you know, the the end of of um, of, of Beckett's trilogy, where mm-hmm. he says, you know, I can't go on, I will go on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In in some way, these these are these are words that that strangely strangely help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But do you? Do you feel that that words, in in some way, help the sorrow? Oh, they do for me. I mean, and I think and I think they help because uh, grief feels like each time, and I've been through this with my father and now with my mother. But each time, it feels really new. It feels like nobody else has experienced this in, in their lives yeah. or in. And you're walking down the street and you sort of, especially right after it happens, and you wonder how the world can go on, you know. And so I think uh, part of the comfort is um, knowing that others have been there before and that they've had sort of the wherewithal because we are people of, of this same craft. And, and I think part of us is concerned by the fact that they've been down this path as as Ultimately, unfortunately, all of us must go through yeah. in some at some moment. But they've been through it, and they've written some beautiful things about it. And sometimes it's raw, you know, as in a grief observed. I think Beckett is a little sort of smoother with it. Um, it sort of depends on, I think, who the writer is, certainly, but also at what point they address the subject. But um, 
yeah, it's comforting to know, you know, to, to, to hear perhaps some of those things that you're saying to yourself, I, I must go on, I will go on, because ultimately, uh, you, we have no choice. You have, we have you no have choice, to. yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you putting together then a collection of essays about the subject? Well, it's, um, it's, you know, there, I break it down in different sections. Um, so it's, I, I consider it a long essay, but with sort of different, different sections. So, um, there's a section on suicide, there's a section on grief, but all of it weaved into my own personal experiences with, with, um, with, um, with death, with writing about death, but also living with death. Um, I remember reading, um, Christopher Hitchens' essays in, yes, in Vanity Fair. Yeah. yeah, when he was wow. sick, and they were compiled in this little book, Mortality, and he talked a lot about living dyingly, and, um, you know, this sort of mode that you slip into when you are living, knowing, I mean, we all know that we're going to die, but knowing sort of that we're going to die sooner than you expected. And he writes beautifully and bravely, I think, and with a lot of humor. Uh, about about that. So, so it, the book will be broken up into you know, many different sections, but I consider it one long essay. But they're not generally long books. They're um, about you know thirty thousand words or so. So I also at this point in my and and you know where I, where I am in terms of my grief, I felt I didn't feel like I could take on one of those big projects that you don't know when it will end. Like when you start a novel, so this really felt like something I could manage, and that could also be personally um, cathartic for me. Well, I can't. I can't. In a, in a way, I can't wait to to read it because I I think um, it'll be so interesting to see how 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 a certain strand of literature has fed you. Um, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and has helped you in some way. I mean, I I I, I fear using the wo- words like help because it doesn't really help, but yet it does in some some other way. I wonder if poetry is is part of it for you as well. Oh yes, there's um, uh, there's quite a bit, you know, of that. I I read soon after. You know, I realized that friends. Um, who have been down this road, who, you know, I have forward friends who sent me poet, poems. And I read a lot of um, Lucille Clifton's poetry, and um, Nikki Giovanni had written a book called Chasing Utopia after her mother died. And I remember um, when my, my friend Sandra Cisneros, when her mother died, and uh, she, you know, she wrote this very small book about looking for a cat, which was sort of almost like the spirit of her, of her mother. And so, um, Sandra's a, a wonderful poet as well. So, yeah, poetry is definitely a part of it. I think also because in poetry, we can take in, in, in bits, and it seems so precise. And, and it's really, I mean, it sounds bizarre, but I also feel like poetry is a, is a much easier way of communicating with the dead. <laughs> you can, you can recite something that resonates for you into the air, and it seems like you're sending it to your loved one. I, I felt that even when my father passed away, when I found something that seemed especially relevant to us, I would just read it out loud to him. <laughs> kind of. But it's, um, it's amazing how 
you know, in, in moments of extreme or, or what hopefully is extreme joy, like a marriage or extreme grief, like a death, we, we turn to poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we turn mm-hmm. to this concentrated form. You know, I'm thinking of of a poem. I'm, I'm wondering whether whether you've read it in a in a in a previous conversation I had with Neil Gaiman, also such as the one I'm having with you. I mentioned a poem to him of uh, Clive James called uh, "Japanese Maple." Mm. Have you? I have I've been reading his. I've been reading his essays about, you know, being ill. Yes. But no, I haven't read the poem. Oh, I no. will, I will, I will send it to you after our phone call now. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful short poem that appeared in The New Yorker not that long ago. He knows, I mean, as we all know, you know, I remember my mother saying to me before she passed away, she said, many, many years ago when I was maybe in my early 20s, she said, you know, living is dangerous and the outcome is always mm-hmm. fatal. But, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. she said it comically. Of course, we know, but sometimes we know so much more. And when we, when we know, you know, in a, in a, in a case of a, a terminal Ill, illness, I think everything gets heightened or can get heightened. Mm-hmm. And with Hitchens, mm-hmm. you know, I was one of the last people to interview him on stage um, here at the New York Public Library. And I remember he was only 61 when he wrote Hitch 22 and I I said to him why now and he said you know Paul you've got to do it in time Mm-hmm. Chilling, and but but mm-hmm. what is what is extraordinary, I think, about those essays, mortality, is just how unvarnished they are, and yes, how straightforward yes. in a way, and how how in in a way he's looking at himself, you know, nearly as as a as um as a as a as a patient, he's able to yes. distance himself. It's 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 quite remarkable. And he manages like, to sneak in a few, a few jokes. You know, yeah. there's one particular joke he says where the nurse is saying um, to him, "Well, this will be just a little trick, sir." And then he kind of imagines all the jokes, you know, all the masculine things that he could say in response. Of course, you know, of course. because yeah. on top of it all, you know, language. I mean, he was such a master of making uh, of making jokes all the time and making. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose also making light of certain situations where where humor might might help a little bit. Um, yeah, and had access to all this. It seems this super encyclopedic knowledge about everything. Yeah. Um, which I which I found you know very much distilled even in this you know in this these final words. I thought it was a very was a was a very powerful testimony because I think part of one of the things that I'm discovering in this, this project is that part of what we hope you know to hear from the dying is. Is and I certainly with my mother. You know, if you have the opportunity, you want them to tell you something that that sort of hadn't occurred to anyone before, yes. <laughs> because you you suspect they might be closer to some type of you know a superior well of knowledge. And and I don't. It's unfair, you know. But I think it's also part of sort of the pre grief that people go through that you're sort of trying to find a meaning in what's happening and. And I think he managed to do that with that little book, you know, with those essays and and uh, to give us some insight and, and maybe kind of a, 
a possible model sort of to to how we die. Yeah, how we how we nearly how we how we live uh, yeah, and die. That's what I was mm-hmm. going to say. Yeah. How um. I mean, it's it, it's in a, in a way a very personal question, but it's it's one that I'm I'm so close to now, which is how we transmit this to our own children when we mm-hmm. when we you know they have seen in me with my sister gone a father crying, and mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I just wonder you know what is transmitted in in that trauma to children, you know when they when they see that. Oh, it's it's fascinating because I remember when my girls were very little, um, whenever they would see me crying, they would cry. <laughs> really? And I and I you know, when they were very, very little and and there was there were two occasions actually when um I was being interviewed, um about my uncle's death when he died in immigration custody some years ago, and, and somehow my daughter was seeing the, the tape, and, and I was crying on the tape, and she started crying, and I said, Mira, why are you crying? She said, because the other would be just crying, the one on the screen. <laughs> and so, and then, and so, I feel like the transmission it doesn't even have to be so forced. I, I think seeing your father, your parent crying is humanizes them very early for them. And I think that's powerful to see, to see that your parents have have uh, pains and that they have griefs and that they have um, sort of emotions that are outside, that are not fully directed at them, you know. Right. Um, that they're, you know, your parents mad at you or your parents happy with you, but that they have other concerns and that they have other other passions and other losses as well. And, and I think... It was in you know we went through that whole space after my mother died. She was living with me, so the girls saw her getting sicker and sicker, and they saw her die. And and I remember even in reading student papers when I'm when I'm teaching, how many of these essays are about a grandparent's death. It's 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 for some of us, it's our first loss, and and the parent is a conduit. You sort of you know, and I think they understand their own loss by watching yours. It's sort of it's it's a it's the kind of layering to it that I think is a powerful lesson. It's for a for child to learn, yeah. It's an initiation of some sort. Yes, absolutely. And I'm always awed by how many for how many that's the first loss they remember. That's the first often the grandparent is the first death they remember. Um, is, is putting together this essay in some way um, influencing your teaching? Oh yeah, it's actually you know that you know that sort of rabbit hole of text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, <laughs> yeah of course. <laughs> when you go, that one leads you to another, to another, and, and so I I feel that I'm I'm learning a great deal. I. I you know, I took this one in a way to keep myself occupied to like sort of give a little project for myself. But I, I, I feel like I'm being I'm being taught quite a bit, and and anything as a writer, you know, that also helps you examine text more closely. I think it's much benefit. It's beneficial to me, right? And and absolutely helpful in learning things that I can also share with others. 